0: Welcome to the Empowered Christian Woman Podcast. My name is Jeanette Cochran. I'm a pastor, women's leadership coach, and self-proclaimed Jesus feminist. I'm on a mission to inspire and equip women everywhere to own our voice, speak up, create, and lead wherever God calls. Because when women rise, everyone wins. Hello, my dear friends, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I am bringing you an insightful leadership conversation with Katie Cole. Katie is the author of three books Sticky Note Leadership and her best selling book, Developing Female Leaders. And her latest book is Finding Your Leadership Voice in 90 Days. Katie speaks at leadership conferences around the world. She is a tremendous leader and a fantastic person. She's also a dear friend. Katie and I met about 10 years ago at the Women Executive Pastors Network. At that time, she was an executive leader at one of the fastest growing multi-site churches in the U.S. And Katie's job was to initiate, develop, and launch multi-site campuses before multi-site was really a thing. Now many churches are going multi-site, but Katie was a pioneer in multi-site ministry, figuring it out, learning how to do it and what best practices were before there was a roadmap. I've learned so much from her over the years. Katie has been a voice to champion women leaders in the church, challenging male church leaders to recognize and unleash the leadership potential of the women in their communities. We talk about her work in that area. We also talk about how confusing it can be for women in churches because of the many different biblical interpretations about women and how different churches place different limits on women. So we have to understand what our church expects. But she also says something that I think is really important and that I want to underscore before we jump into the conversation today. She says it's also important that as women, we need to know what we believe, that we need to know for ourselves what the Bible says about women and particularly women in leadership. I cannot underscore that enough. And I want to ask you, are your beliefs about God's purposes for you and what God might want to do in your life? based only on what someone else has told you? Or have you really explored the topic for yourself? Have you just accepted the limits imposed on you by others without studying the Bible on this topic for yourself? For the first 25 years of my life, I accepted and I believed and lived the complementarian theology that I was handed until I felt the draw to start studying the various interpretations for myself. And I came to a very different perspective, a perspective that rocked my world in a good way. It propelled me to step out into God's purpose for my life. It opened my eyes to what God wanted to do in me and through me. I share a little bit of my story and I unpack an egalitarian theology of women and men in episodes two through six of this podcast. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, number two through six, I encourage you take some time and do that. You can also download Katie's free theological cheat sheet. She mentions this in our conversation, and you can find the link for this in the show notes or at JeanetteCochran.com slash podcast. Katie is helping to move the needle forward on diversity and equipping faith-based leaders to fulfill their calling. Our conversation is filled with practical leadership advice. We talk about how to increase your confidence as a leader, making hard leadership decisions, and how to speak up and advocate for yourself and your team. I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Katie as much as I enjoyed having it. So sit back and welcome to my conversation with Katie Cole. Welcome, Katie. Thank you again for taking the time to be here with my audience today. You and I met, I think it was about five or six years ago, maybe even I longer, longer than that, Jeanette. I feel like we've
1: known each other a long time.
0: I think it was longer than that because yeah, with COVID, I've kind of lost track of time. At least 10 years.
1: <laughs> I think it's been at least 10
0: years. Maybe it has been. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So we met at the Women Executive Pastors Network, and I just, I have to say, I loved you from the very beginning. So warm. The feeling was quite mutual. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, just so welcoming. And you've always been an advocate for women leaders and just trying to share your knowledge and your wisdom, which you have so much of it. So why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself, your leadership, kind of the work you do today?
1: Sure. Well, I have served in full-time ministry for almost 20 years now, but before that, I was a registered nurse. I worked in a psychiatric unit. I uh, worked at a university for several years, as dean of students uh, I got a masters degree in human resource development and then my church was growing really rapidly and they kind of recruited me to come on their staff and so I helped sort of organize that and lead our initiatives in multi-site and leadership development and now I work a lot with businesses and churches on their leadership development pipelines uh kind of their reaching their mission sort of developing their highest leaders and then I talk a lot about how to help uh, create environments where women leaders can thrive.
0: I I have really loved watching you branch out and just the incredible work that you're doing and really saying so many things that need to be said, but you do it so graciously, mm-hmm. really championing women leaders. And so what prompted you to start developing some resources specifically for women leaders and just speaking out to help women leaders be able to rise and just grow, you know, to their full potential in their organizations?
1: Well, to be really honest, I kind of got into this through the back door, which I feel like is how the Lord works in my life. Oftentimes, I don't really have a big agenda for myself. I kind of surrendered that uh, a long time ago when I started following him. And so, uh, I was working with a, a group of churches through a big organization called Leadership Network, helping them uh, fulfill their mission, uh, launch campuses. They were bigger multi-site churches. And the thing that they were missing more than anything was enough leaders to sort of grow geogra- it, You know, in different geographical areas. You need a lot of high quality leaders, trusted leaders, people who know your culture in order to be able to separate geographically like that. And uh, they just didn't have enough. And so when we Pop the hood on their HR systems, we found that they actually had a lot of leaders in sort of the lower levels of their pipelines, but not many were kind of rising to the level that they needed. And the majority of the people who would drop out were women. And so as I sort of dug into that further, they started talking to me about the things they were doing to help women leaders and to recruit women leaders. And to be really honest, many of the things they were doing, even though they were really good-hearted guys and trying their best, they were just not the best strategies in the world. And they would tell me some of their ideas and I would just be like cringing on the inside. And I'm like, I, that is actually a terrible idea. I know why you think that's a good idea, but it is a terrible idea. And I honestly, I couldn't figure out how to explain it to them. I had lived in that male populated world for so long. I was often the only woman at the table. I I swam in kind of a network of high level churches, big mega churches, which were almost always men. I was oftentimes the only woman there. And so I understood how they thought. I understood why they did what they did. I even would say, I was a part of those kinds of decisions, uh, ignorantly. And so I was having a hard time explaining to them why this was not the way to go about it. Um, so I did a deep dive research project cause I'm kind of an HR nerd into sort of all the research around ministry and marketplace and academia. And in the process of that ended up having this book deal come along. And so wrote the book, Developing Female Leaders, to try and help these churches do a better job in what they were already trying to do. I find that it's not a matter of trying to convince people to do a better job with the up-and-coming leaders of any minority group in an organization or a church or a business. It's really knowing how to do it, how to do it in a way that's effective. How do we take what we believe and really putting it into practice? How do we do it in a way that it is interpreted with the heart that we mean it, that's really where we're falling behind. And that's where I tend to have my best work is in the how.
0: Okay. And that was how your book, Developing Female Leaders, came about, right? Mm -hmm. What are a couple of the things that you mention in that book that you recommend leaders do in order to bring up the women leaders in their organizations. Specifically, this is really looking at churches. Okay. Well,
1: specifically for churches, uh, and this can affect all of us if we've grown up with a faith background. Uh, because this is a pretty hot topic in the Christian world, especially in America, this debate around a woman's role at home or at church or at work. And there are many different perspectives on that. Uh, I really encourage people to really know exactly what you believe, to clearly define what you believe about this, particularly in church settings. And for me, I'm not a theologian. I, you know, There's a lot of big debates about this. I My theory is we're going to get to heaven and a whole bunch of people are going to be surprised. I don't know which ones. But there are people who love God, really study the Bible, and disagree vehemently about this subject. I am a leadership expert. I care about churches fulfilling their mission and using all the resources God brings them. So, whether you are very conservative and on the complementarian side, whether you're uh, very egalitarian on the progressive side, whether you're somewhere in the middle, uh, I think we can all, in fact, I know we can all do a better job equipping and empowering the women that God has brought to us in our churches and on our teams. And so I have a lot of free resources on my website that talk about how you can identify your theology and how you can communicate it more clearly. It is a really important issue because Female leaders in churches, especially those who are mature, spiritually mature, seasoned in their leadership, the ones you would want leading. I'm not an advocate that every woman should lead. There are a whole bunch of women who should never lead, just like there are a whole bunch of men who should never lead because they're not gifted. They're not mature enough. They destroy people in the process. But for qualified, able, faithful women who have been given gifts of leadership, whichever gifts those are it's our responsibility to steward those to maximize their impact in the kingdom. And, uh, godly women know this is a big issue. We know that there are boundaries that we know that people have biases. We know that sometimes we walk into a room and we're not welcome. We know that sometimes we can be too much for the people around us. Uh, we know that we feel insecure about our own leadership gifts. Those are all realities for female leaders. And so when we, as church leaders as pastors, as ministry leaders can clearly articulate our theology. We believe that women are gifted to do these kinds of things in these kinds of places. It empowers women to step into those roles because most of us, especially if you're over 35 or 40, we've grown up with a very strong uh, dialogue around what women are not allowed to do or not welcome to do or shouldn't do. And we have a very Uh, low volume, and we don't talk hardly at all about the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of leadership roles, we all can agree women should do and are called to do and are gifted to do. And so when we grow up in environments like this, sometimes we start to feel like women shouldn't lead at all, or there aren't any roles available to them, or that uh, pastors don't want women to lead in any capacity. And that couldn't be further from the truth. So I really encourage churches to clearly define what you believe. We as individuals need to study God's word and know exactly what we believe. Like I said, on my website, there's some downloads of a theological cheat sheet that can kind of give you what I consider the spectrum of viewpoints on this. I don't really think it's a black and white issue. We're either for women or against women. There's a lot of different ways that people live this out in their culture and define their belief system. It's important to know what you believe. It's important to know what your
0: church believes, and then
1: to maximize that for the kingdom.
0: So true. So true. I, because that's the first thing I look at when I walk in a church or if I'm working with another church is I'm looking to understand what do they believe about the role of women? Where are women welcome? Cause it can be so confusing for us. Like you, mm-hmm. you, you move to a new town, you looking for new churches, you have to figure out. And oftentimes it's not really clear Oftentimes, almost never clear. (laughs) Yeah, it's usually not clear. You're right. So it's it can be so confusing. So I love that. And then and like you said too. And I think for us as women leaders, for us to figure out what we believe, right? It's so because we have to have uh, a clear purpose and vision for our lives. And so I know for me as a leader over the years, I had to look at that again and again and again because my faith and my theology in that area was evolving. And, um, and so we have to have that confidence about what is God calling us to do? And what do we think is right for us? And then to have our church leaders being clear about where they stand. It's
1: important. And it's important to remember, this is a secondary theological issue there. Like I said, there's a lot of people who disagree and debate about this. And uh, we all have a whole lot of secondary issues. Again, the primary issues, Jesus is, you know, Lord, one way to heaven, the Trinity, things like that are the primary issues that if we disagree on that, you're really probably not, um, in the same camp of Christianity that we would, that we would count. So you have to like, know you align with those primary issues, but secondary issues, there are hundreds of secondary theological issues. And most of us serve in churches where we don't agree with at least half of those, (laughs) but we choose to agree to disagree. But as a leader, I know where my church stands. And as a church leader, I'm going to support my church's position on that, even if I personally disagree with that. So there's room for women to be like, my church actually believes X, Y, and Z about women in leadership. I have a different view. I may uh, operate a little differently, but not within the context of my leadership role. It might even be to a place where I'm like, actually, I'm called to do something and I sense the Lord leading me to expand my leadership into areas where my church does not allow women to serve. That, in my mind, is really the only reason this would be an issue to separate from your church. Any other issue around we disagree, or um, I don't have the right title, or you know, I'm I'm about equal title and equal pay. However, I do think there are a lot of focus on titles that aren't necessarily reasons to leave a position or to leave a ministry that God has called you to. But if your calling is one where your church won't allow you to do what you believe you are called to do, that is a place where you have to really prayerfully consider how long does God want me here? And and mostly because you're going to be fighting against leadership and positions that is di- that is actually creates division for your own self and your own family and within the church. And, and that is never helpful in the kingdom.
0: Yes. And can be such a hard thing to discern, but you're right. I have talked to women that that's kind of where they're at and, and it can be heart wrenching because for some women, their communities are it's their family. It's where they've been for so yeah. long, but they have this, this deep yearning and this call that God is calling them to more. So I always tell women, cause I do have oftentimes women that will come and ask me about that. I'm like, I can't give you that answer. That is between you and God. And all I can do is support you and listen and point you to what is the spirit calling you to do. But um, I I will
1: say that in my experience, uh, those that discomfort comes long before the opportunity to use your gift. And so I encourage women to just because you have discomfort doesn't mean it's time to make a big shift, especially if you've got a lot of other components, like your kids are thriving in youth group, or, you know, your husband's locked in, or you live across the street, you know, you've been there 30 years, like there's a whole, it's one of many reasons why you evaluate being a part of a church. And I really encourage women, this has been at least my own experience, and I've seen it for many other um, high capacity leaders is that that discomfort comes early it's a personal wrestling with the lord it might even require conversations with other people to get clarity but when god is calling you to a specific thing it is a huge door opener to make a shift and that calling to a role to a job to an opportunity to a to a specific um task Those tend to be the impetus where everything else kind of lines up. And so um, discomfort isn't always the calling. That's usually the preparation for the actual calling. I always wait till the door for the next thing opens. Otherwise, I'm running away from something uncomfortable. I'm not running to a new calling or to a new opportunity that God's
0: got for me. That's so good. Yeah. So often it is um, moving towards something, not moving away from just away from something and knowing where you're headed to. Yeah. So you wrote another book recently called um, finding your leadership voice in 90 days for women. So how to show up, speak up and stand out with confidence. Tell us a little bit about that. First of all, what what is a leadership voice? We hear that terminology a lot. What what do you define that as? Yeah,
1: so I wrote this book because after developing female leaders came out, I was working with a lot of churches and organizations on this topic of helping women. And I really have been targeted mostly on working with men about how to do better at this. And in the process, of course, started talking with a lot of women on their teams or coaching them, uh, speaking at women's events. And so I was having a lot of conversations with women about doing this. And many women were getting really amazing opportunities. Uh, And I would say the response to that first book was overwhelming in the sense of how many men quickly adopted a lot of those practices. Uh, We still get emails four or five years later now about women who are getting back pay or promotions or apologies from their elders uh, for uh, really being discriminated against and them just not realizing it because of the system they had been handed. And so women were getting these promotions and opportunities, but uh, as I was talking with them, they actually weren't enjoying leadership that much. (laughs) They were uncertain about themselves. They were uh, trying to make movement, but weren't getting any traction. They didn't know when they should speak up, when they should not speak up. They were feeling the burden of sort of carrying all the women of their organization and trying to make a way for them. And, And it just was getting overwhelming. It was a new level of leadership that they hadn't done before. They didn't have quite enough support. Uh, and most of them were like any of us, were kind of looking at our life going like, I am so stressed out. I am not spending time with my family the way I want to, my health is going down and they're really on a road to burnout. And so I wrote this second book to try and help women who were stepping into leadership sometimes for the first time, or maybe at least a higher level of leadership to try and discern how is it that you step into these higher roles of leadership? How do you use your voice in the right ways? Um, And what I consider a leadership voice is those unique pieces of who you are, your gifting, your experiences, your expertise, the role you play on the team. I have rights and responsibilities and authorities based on those things to show up and give my opinion and give my perspective and say what I think and to advocate for the people and the opportunities I represent on that team. And sometimes I think in our world, we feel um, a lot of pressure as a woman leader and especially if you're one of the the first or only women leaders on your team to be talking about every subject or to have an opinion about everything or to be using my voice in powerful ways i feel that like i walk through home goods or target and i see t-shirts that say the future is female and use your voice and don't let anyone hold you back and i agree with that but as a christ follower I also know that Jesus was quiet a lot of the time (laughs) and he often chose to let things go and not address things, even though they were wrong, or even though there were people that needed his help, he didn't always help everyone. And so I'm trying to, as a Christ follower first, and as a woman second, and as a leader third... How do I make sure I honor God in everything that I do, but then also still use my voice in the ways God has called me to? And so that's really what that book is about. It's uh, me trying to take sort of uh, 90 days, I would say it takes 21 days to get a new habit, but it takes 90 days to change a mindset of how to think differently about what a godly leadership voice looks like, how we use it in a way that benefits the team and honors the Lord, uh, how we check our own ego, how we check our own fear, how we make sure we're not overstepping, but we're not understepping and and really walk with the guidance of the Holy Spirit to be able to speak up when we're called to and stay silent when we're called to.
0: It really is a mindset shift. And I remember when I, or in my early days, when I first started doing work around leadership, It all starts with self-leadership. So much of that beginning foundation was, what are my values? What is my purpose? What do I think? So that I'm really clear about who I am, who God has made me to be. So as you say, so that you can step into those leadership roles with clarity about who you are. And that's where oftentimes that's where the confidence comes from we're looking for external sometimes validation and no, it just comes from knowing our identity, who we are in Christ, having a, a clear calling. And, and like you say, also I think hearing the voice of the Holy spirit, because there are a lot of times where we can, we can do a lot of damage. Um, I'm sure I've done that quite honestly, where I've done damage and and had to backpedal and just say, yeah, I, I maybe I spoke up without thinking or, or I spoke up in a moment where my emotions were high. And yeah, and so I learned a lot of those lessons in my earlier leadership. Obviously, I think one of the
1: biggest traps for women is uh, a lot of times we're shy or hold back on the things we should actually be speaking into. And we overspeak in the things that that aren't our responsibility. So, and this is why a lot of women get burned out or feel overwhelmed because they spend a lot of time in other people's departments. And if you have a leadership gift, you walk into something and you know, when something's wrong, right? That's part of being a leader is so you're like, well, this people flow isn't working good in the, in the lobby. And why is the usher not doing this? And why does it sound like that? And why is the baby crying in the back? Right. We have like all these things that we know are not going right, or this team meeting is going South. I better step in and help. And in our effort to help and be a generous teammate, we can sometimes. Speak into a lot of things that really are not our responsibility and we have no authority over. And when we spend our time doing that, then we underwork on our own job responsibilities. And so I see women a lot of times show up into team meetings. And when it's something that has to do with their department, uh, they worry too much about I don't want to be overly emotional, I don't want to be demanding, I don't want my ego to overcome. So they hold back on advocating for their own department or their own area. But when it's someone else's topic, they have a lot to say about that because they have no pressure and they just want to kind of throw it all out there and be helpful. And we actually many times need to reverse that. The areas that are our responsibility, we actually are commanded by God to show up to the meeting and give our opinion on those things. We need to do the pre-work. We need to have our thoughts in order. We don't want to just ramble and be overly anything, but we do need to speak up when it has something to do with us, when we have a need that's not being met, when we need resources that we don't have, when someone's misinterpreting what's happening in our department, when when someone's um talking about one of our teammates and and we it is our job to 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 stand in the gap for that. We should be speaking up on those things. And then for other people's challenges, we might offer help, but it should be when we're asked. It shouldn't be an offering that we give free flowing and put ourselves in a lot of areas that aren't really our responsibility and we have no direct authority in.
0: I love that. Makes a lot of sense let's talk a little bit about the likability trap. And you have a a chapter, I think, where you talk about how we may hold back because of that. And particularly as you move up in leadership, I know, um, I'll tell you just an experience I had a couple of years ago when um, I had to let a staff person go, which is Mm. always so hard. Um, I think on the outside, there are people that would think it's not hard for me. Oh, it's, it's, it's grueling. I I lose sleep sometimes for months if I see something coming down the pike, but I had to let the staff person go. And there were a lot of people upset. And one of the women who was a good friend came and said, Hey, you know, told me that what was being said and, and someone in the church and said, does Jeanette know that, how people feel about her because of this? Like, does she understand? And this particular woman said she told her, I don't think Jeanette really cares whether people like her or not. And in that moment, I stopped and I said, wait a minute. I said, well, let me just say, I actually do care. I do care whether people like me, but I also know that I can't make decisions based on whether people like me. I have to do what's right for the church. So it's both. I do want to be liked but it it sometimes takes courage. So, and I see that with so many women leaders early on, they're wrestling with things that really deep down, they know they need to do, or they need to say. And underneath of that is this fear that people are going to be angry with them, or they're not going to be liked. Why is that so hard for us?
1: Well, there's actually research of of what's called the likability trap, which is that When men grow in leadership, and part of growing and going higher in the organizational leadership structure is you do make bigger, tougher decisions. Firing people is one, allocating resources, setting vision. And whenever you bring clarity or make a decision, there are some people who aren't going to be very happy about that. (laughs) But for men, when they grow in leadership, and even when people disagree with their decision, they tend to be liked more the higher they go in leadership for women, the exact opposite happens. When they grow in leadership and start making bigger decisions and having um to uh potentially have people disagree with them, they tend to be liked less as they grow in leadership. And so for women, it's not just in our head, like I care too much what people think. It actually is unfair. And it kind of stinks that we actually get liked less by growing in leadership and having more capacity and more influence. And so many women feel the pressure of that, that I have to choose in this decision. Do I want to be liked by the people? Do I want to do the thing that's the popular vote? Or do I want to be respected for making the right decision that has the biggest, best impact for my team or the organization or our church as a whole? And uh, men, for the most part, don't ever have to make that choice at the same degree that women do. And so when we see women, and I mean, obviously men go through challenges where people get mad at them also, but they don't have to choose in everyday decisions and they don't feel it at the same level that women do because it's not as many people. Um... And they still tend to be liked as people, even if they're disagreed with. Uh, So for women, it can oftentimes be misinterpreted that she just doesn't care what people think about her. What that usually means is that is a leader, a female leader who has chosen to care more about making the right decision than worrying about what people think about her. That's the cost she's making to lead well. Uh, And I would say as leaders, we often have to make that cost. I'm hoping that as we continue to raise the level of awareness about this, and we see more and more women serve in leadership, that we have space in our hearts as just people and congregations, especially to value and like women, even if they're leading in high levels. And most of the time that actually is research around being a minority. So it happens for women. It also happens for people of color, It happens for uh, people who are older, um, when we have ageism in our cultures, people who are younger, they tend to be dismissed if they're making a decision that is not liked by others, that they don't know what they're doing. So this shows up in a lot of different spaces. As we see more and more diversity reach our leadership teams, we're seeing those trends uh, go down, but it is still a challenge and it is something we all experience on a daily basis.
0: So it's a real thing. The, the double bind, I think, is. I Absolutely. That. Yep. And so I, I love that. Thank you for affirming that, that it is a real thing. And we do feel the pressure that we have to make that choice. Those are the spaces where I have found I really have had to lean into the Lord and mm-hmm. know that he really is the one that I am trying to please and let everything else fall where it may. And sometimes it's painful. It usually does work itself out in the end, but there are usually some days that are painful. And I know also in that area for me as a woman leader, because I know this is there, I have tried to really be very supportive of women that are in higher Mm -hmm. levels of leadership because sometimes women do it to other women and realizing, no, that's not who I'm going to be. We need uh, you know one of my sayings is when women rise everyone wins and that's so true there's enough space for all of us to use our gifts and so i want to be supportive of those women leaders especially when they're having to make tough mm-hmm. decisions thank you for giving us the the research behind that it's a real thing it's not in yeah, our I, mind. I would say
1: too as a leader i think even uh framing uh, your experience personally, this is what Brene Brown talks a lot in vulnerability. Like it's one thing to, um, choose to make a wrong decision to be liked. It's another thing to make the right decision and then explain that to people. So oftentimes when I have to make a tough decision, I'll say to my team, listen, this has been a really tough decision for me. And part of it is because I know the right decision is going to make people really mad at me or not like me and that's hard for me. I don't like that, but I also know God's called me to do a good job at leading this and I want to do as good a job as I can and I don't want to let the pressure of people um be more important to me than doing the right thing. And so because of that this is my decision. Or if I talk in leadership spaces, talking about this kind of challenge as a leader, it helps educate everyone and it also helps the people who are affected by our decisions see us as humans because when we're implementing decisions, you know, we have to kind of gear up for that. And, you know, I put on my pointy black heels, you know, I come in with some extra oomph because I'm trying to build myself up to implement a hard decision. And sometimes that extra oomph that I need to give myself to do this hard work is interpreted by others as not caring or being overly aggressive or anything like that. And so I just try to always take time to explain the personal side of leadership for myself to try and help people understand what it's like to be me in these roles and make these decisions. That's gone a long way for people um, in the likability trap, at least in the circles that I'm working in.
0: So what advice would you give to women who want to speak up and advocate for themselves and are having a hard time with it. Maybe it is that they feel like they deserve a raise or they need more resources or they feel like their voice is not being heard in team meetings, something that is like personal for them and they're struggling because they don't want to be seen as self-serving or arrogant. What advice would you have for them? Mm -hmm.
1: I think the first thing is to... Uh, acknowledge where you kind of land on the assertiveness scale. So on one side, we have really passive people that might come because of your personality or maybe the way you grow up, or you're shy, or it's hard for you to speak up in meetings, you might be more on the passive side. The other side is uh, we can be, because of our personality or gifting or growing up, more aggressive. And so either one of those extremes is actually not where God wants us to be. He really wants us to be in the middle, where we take the best of passivity, which tends to be honoring people, putting other people's needs above our own, serving other people, being flexible. That's the positive side of being on that path. Scale. We want to be all of that, but we also want to be the positive side of the aggressive scale, which is being really honest. Uh, being forthright, uh, being decisive. We want to bring those two things together where we're honest, but honoring at the same time when we advocate for things. And when we're nervous, uh, we tend to go to one extreme or the other. And in fact, the most unhealthy person flips between passive and aggressive, right? We call them passive aggressive because you never know what you're going to get in one meeting. She's passive and doesn't say anything. And another means she's over aggressive and telling everybody what to do. I would say there's been seasons in my life where I've done that. Um, When I was in a a team meeting where I was a member, but not in charge, I could go really passive and not say anything. Um, And then when I actually led my team, I was barking out orders and making sure everybody knew exactly what to do. And I want to actually be healthy, godly, assertive in both of those meetings. So I want to be really honest about what I need, but I want to be honoring to the other needs in the room, to the other people in the room. I want to be honest about my own uh, challenges. But I also want to be honest about my own contribution. So when it comes to uh, asking for a raise or a title change or needing something for my department, I want to be really honest. I want to be like, hey, these are actually the things I do that you might not know about. And I want to be honoring. But I want, so I'm asking for a raise. I know this is in the context of this. Is there some, you know, being flexible on what that might look like, especially in church work. Sometimes money is not the easiest thing for a church to give us, but they can give us a title change. They can give us more uh, freedom, more vacation time, flexible schedule. We can ask for a lot of things that don't cost the church housing allowance, ministerial credentials. Like there's a lot of things a church can give us that don't cost them a lot of money. So even when I'm asking for a raise, if I need money, I need to ask for it. But if I'm really looking... Looking to be elevated or get a promotion that um, helps my authority gives me more responsibility. Those things are easier to give. So being honest and honoring is really what we're trying to be. And I would say if this is an if assertiveness skills are new to you, the best way to practice them is to advocate for other people, because assertiveness skills are the same skills whether you're advocating for yourself or for someone else. So if you are, if you're unpracticed in this, start standing up for other people. If you're in a meeting and someone's voice gets dismissed or their opinion gets overlooked, then advocate for them. Say, hey, I want to hear more of what Janine has to say. Or I noticed that Mark gave that uh, idea about an hour ago. Let's circle back and hear more about what he wants to say because X, Y, and Z are about to take credit for it. Or whatever the situation is, or gosh, it really seems like we should have this department in this meeting or this leader in this meeting to make this decision. Cause I wouldn't want us to make a decision about this without their team knowing about it and being represented in the conversation. So we can advocate in a lot of ways for other people that builds up our muscles so that when it's time to advocate for ourselves, we have some practice.
0: I love that. So honest and honoring. It reminds me of A statement that Brene Brown says that clear is kind, which Mm -hmm. is one that I've tried to lean to when when I'm shying away from maybe only giving half of the message or, or not saying exactly what needs to be said. And so it's kind of the same thing saying, yeah, being honest is actually a way to honor the relationship. And so asking for what you need. We can get that cheat sheet, I think, on your website, right? Yes, yeah, so it's called
1: an assertiveness cheat sheet. It kind of talks you through the symptoms of where you're at on the on the uh, spectrum and then how you can build more assertiveness skills so that you become a better advocate and a better leader,
0: ok. And we'll put that in the show notes, the link to that so folks can get that one more thing and we've we've jumped around on a lot of different leadership areas but we're in so much change i know at our church we we know we've entered this new era things are not as they were and the way i see it they're not really going back and no, they are kind of, they're not, yeah, we're <laughs> moving in to the future and discipleship is looking different. The way that people fundamentally interact with their church is looking different. The way that people are living and, and working is completely changed. There are so many remote jobs, um, which by the way, I think is so great for women to have yes. that flexibility. When I had young kids at home, there was like no choices to be able to use my skills from home. Um, That's another topic. but So what would you say for, or what advice might you have for women that are leading in this era where there's just a lot of change? um, We know we need to innovate. How should we be using our leadership voices in this time of change and uncertainty?
1: Well, I think our leadership voice is never more important than now, and especially in a time of change. So uh, I think a couple things. One is we need to make sure that we're leading ourselves well. You mentioned self-leadership earlier. Uh, when When things are changing and shifting, it can be really easy to fall into a reactionary mode where we're reacting to the changes. But change is an ongoing thing that's going to be happening for the next little bit and it's going to be consistent. And so we have to get used to things changing and shifting. There is no like season of change and it's going to all solidify soon. We are entering a new season of continuous rapid change. And so we have to lead ourselves well to be adaptable and flexible to changes. Um, and part of how we do that is we do have to, uh, know clearly who we are, who we are in Christ, what we're called to, our giftedness, and show up with those in strong, healthy ways so that we can navigate those seasons of change. And the second thing I would say is to know what's most important. So as we navigate through change, we there are some there are some things that are shifting, but there are things that are staying the same. I call these anchors in change. So uh as leaders, knowing what those anchors are so that even as we're vision casting this is about to be different or we're going to try this new idea. Or, you know, that thing we started six months ago didn't work the way we thought it would. Let's do this again. And instead of kind of rolling our eyes, like we never know what we're doing. We're always building the plane in the air. And because that's true, we're in a big season of change. Um, But when we know what stays the same, we will always make Jesus number one. We will always love each other. Well, we will always care for our community there, whatever the things are that are going to stay the same no matter what change happens. Those are the anchors that we hold on to. And as leaders, it's important that we communicate those anchors more consistently than we communicate what is changing. That gives security, that gives oneness, it keeps us aligned, and it centers us as individuals to remember what we're really about. The methods are shifting, but the core beliefs and the core mission is always the same.
0: Well, Katie, this has been fantastic. I could talk to you all day, but I know you are a busy leader. So as we wrap up, what's the best way if people want to connect with you more or know more about your work, where can they find you? Uh, the best way is to go to my website,
1: Katie Cole, spelled K-A-D-I-C-O-L-E dot com. And I have a monthly newsletter that I send out about topics around female uh, leaders, uh, particularly in faith-based organizations and churches. And so if you want to sign up for that, that's the best way to stay connected with upcoming resources and where I'll be speaking and all of those kinds of things. And then uh, I do have a whole lot of resources on the website that you can take a look at as well as the other things I do to help churches and leaders.
0: Great. Thanks again, Katie. It's been fantastic talking with you. So much wisdom. I appreciate having you here.
1: Thank you so much, Jeanette. I love that you're doing this and I love and appreciate you.
0: Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Empowered Christian Woman Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share it with other women in your network for more information about me and the work that I do check out JeanetteCochrane.com. and I'd love to hear from you personally come join the conversation on social you can find me on Facebook at J Cochran coach or Instagram at Jeanette.cochran